0: Judges chapter number 16, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 4. The Bible says, and it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. Now, we're speaking about Samson here. The lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him and we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green widths that were never dry, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the widths, as a thread of toe is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait, abiding in the chamber. And he brake them off from off his arms like a thread. Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. He said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, and she fastened it with the pin, and said unto him, Can you guess? The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep, and went away with the pin of the beam, and with the web." And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. She said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, bless your word tonight, Lord. We don't deserve your blessings except through Christ Jesus. We don't deserve your blessings in the service except through the power of your word, Lord. And I pray that you would accomplish in each heart that which is most necessary, that we'd walk away from here closer to you, Lord, than when we came in. There's one here amongst us, lost and undone. Pray that you would convict them, show them their need of you. And Father, I pray that each and every person here would get from you uh, that which would affect them for your glory and for their good. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we ask it in Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, This is a very familiar story. In fact, if you've sat in Sunday school any amount of time, you've heard this story before of Samson losing his strength, of the Philistines binding him, and of him being put in servitude. But as you read this passage, there's a phrase that ought to chill us to the bone, because I believe it has a a particular application to our lives. We read it there in verse number 20, and I want us to notice again, at the end of the verse it says, "...and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him." That's a phrase that bears closer examination. What does it mean when it says that the Lord was departed from him? Does it mean that the Lord was not present? We know that Christ is omnipresent. We know that God is everywhere at the same time. Does it mean that God was not aware of what was going on in Samson's life at that moment? I don't believe so because the Bible says that His eyes are upon all men, upon the righteous and upon the wicked. Uh, Does it mean that the Lord quit loving Samson? I don't believe it does, because it was an Old Testament promise that said the Lord would never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, the truth of the matter is, to understand this verse and to understand this phrase, we have to understand it as the overtone of the entire passage. What we're being told here is that the power of the Lord was departed from Samson's life. You know, the truth of the matter is, very few believers, I I tend to believe that very few believers really know what it's like to have the power of God on their life. Now, they know what it means to be saved and they understand the power of God in that sense because uh, to as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. But as far as having God's hand and God's blessing upon their life in a special way, in which they're found to be useful for the cause of Christ, my fear is that many Christians just get used to not experiencing that. But we find that in this passage, one of the darkest times in Samson's life is marked not necessarily by great public failure, it's marked not necessarily by a fall into financial difficulty, but when he found himself without the presence and power of the Lord in his life. I'd like to just look at a few things, and I'm going to try to be brief tonight. But I want us to notice, first off, that there was a road to this departure. You know, something you'll find is that even though uh, we make a deliberate decision to get out of the will of God, that when a person finds themselves in a mess, uh, most of the time they didn't just get in that mess yesterday. And we talked about that the other day in a sermon. Many times the very thing that is identified with a person's failure is not really the thing that caused them to fail. But there was a road, there was a progression earlier on in their life. Somewhere they went astray from following the Lord. And such is the case in the life of Samson. I won't labor on all the points, but the story goes as thus. Uh, Samson goes down, the Bible tells us in verse 4, into the valley of Sork, and loves a woman named Delilah. And this woman named Delilah is bribed of the Philistines to bring about Samson's demise. So she's trying to figure out the problem, trying to figure out where his strength lies and how he can be weakened. And in this story, we see a few things that I think we see in the life of many Christians. And I want us to notice the first thing that we see, and the first step that I believe Samson took on the way to losing the power of God in his life, was we see a participation with the world. We see it there in verse number 4. The thing that any uh, person with a little bit of brains in their head ought to be asking is what was Samson doing in the Valley of Sork? What was he doing around a woman named Delilah? Now, truth be told, Samson had no business there. But, you know, you really stop and think about it and it'll cause you to wonder what business a lot of Christians have doing in some of the places that they find themselves in at times. The best way to avoid sin is to avoid the appearance of evil. You avoid the appearance of evil and uh, you'll avoid the application of evil most times. When we find ourselves surrounding ourselves with sinners, when we find ourselves walking in the the way of the world, listening to the things that the world listens to, watching the things that the world watches, acting like the world, it should be no wonder when we find ourselves doing the things that the world does. Uh, you know, it's funny, and I i know I'm a young pastor. I understand that I've not got a lot of years under my belt. I've got a lot of meals above my belt, amen, but I've not got a lot of years under my belt. Uh, but, uh, you know, you observe people's families and people's lives. And I understand that everyone else's life looks different than our own. Uh, but there's many people, and I'm sure you've known some people like this, and I know I have too, that have looked and they've seen difficulties in their families and they've seen kids go this direction or that direction. I know that children make their own decision. I've seen children in good homes go bad directions. But I've also seen many times the fruit of a parent's decision to allow worldliness bear itself out in the life of a child. The same thing could be said about grandchildren. The same thing could be said about nieces and nephews. But the fact is, I've heard people lament before and say, I don't know what went wrong with my family. And I think to myself sometimes, well, I could sure tell you what went wrong. Amen. When you allow your child to act like the world, do like the world and look like the world, then they're going to wind up being like the world. There's a biblical principle of separation. And it's not just for God's glory, but it's for the good of the believer as well. When we're uh, in this world, and we have to be in this world, Christ said uh, that He didn't desire that we should be taken out of the world, but kept from the world. We must understand that our responsibility is to be shining lights and testimonies for the cause of Christ and His goodness. It began when Samson began to do the things that the world does. But it did not end there. I want you to notice in verse number 6, we see the pacification of the world. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read all the verses, but if you were to read verses 6 through 14, you would find that Samson went from participating in worldliness to starting to pacify the worldly crowd. So Delilah comes to him and says, Now, Samson, you say you love me. Uh, by the way, uh, if, if anybody other than your spouse ever says to you, you say you love me, just go ahead and turn around and walk away right then. It's going to bring trouble. It says, you say you love me, but... If you really loved me, you'd tell me where your strength lies. If you really loved me, you'd open up your very heart to me. And we find something interesting that Samson begins to do. Samson does not immediately tell her the secret of his strength. What Samson tries to do is he tries to toe the line and pacify both God and the world. We see this more and more and more and more in the life of believers today. We find the world being drawn into religion. We find the church being drawn into the world more and more and more. Let me tell you why. Because people that are out of the will of God have a desire to have their consciences uh, comforted and their consciences satisfied without truly following God. It's interesting, and most of you know this to be the truth. Uh, Many of you remember when the contemporary Christian movement was first being birthed. And you remember about uh, putting your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. And you remember about all of the uh, uh, music that was birthed out of that movement. And uh, the keynote element of it was the fact that it maintained a worldly beat while having Christian quote-unquote lyrics. Well, we live in a day where the truth is much the same today. Uh, You can turn on, I know that that, uh, if you don't have cable, you at least have basic television. You can turn it on some of the religious programs and hear some of the things that pass for Christian music today. And the truth is, if you were to substitute the term Jesus with the term baby, it would in no way differ from what is on popular radio as well today. There's no consecration about it. There's no separation about it. It looks like the world. It sounds like the world. The only difference is that it has some Christian phrasing in it. We find that even today, Christians are trying to compromise with the world, but they want to maintain some element of godliness in their life, quote-unquote. We find this in the life of Samson. He didn't jump headlong into giving away the secret of his strength, but instead he tried to just pacify Delilah. Tried to just give her a little bit of truth. And you'll find uh, that Samson immediately gave a grain of truth, though he did so in a lie. Whenever she asks him, where does your great strength lie? He didn't say it lies in my arms. He didn't say it lies in my feet. He doesn't say it lies uh, in my soul, but he says in my hair. He gives just a little bit of himself to the world, hoping that it will satisfy the world. Let me tell you something. You've heard this before. If you give the devil an inch, he'll become your ruler. It doesn't matter what you give to this world of yourself, this world won't be satisfied till it has every bit of you and it's wrecked and ruined you. We find in this passage that Samson says, well, I'll just try to pacify the world. When believers come to a point where they want to pacify uh, the worldly crowd, you can mark her down, they're on a road to destruction. Where does it lead to? I want you to read verses 15 and 17 with me. It says, And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man." We find first off that Samson participates in worldliness. Then he is pacifying worldliness. But we find in this verse that he's permissive towards worldliness. He finally gives in and tells Delilah what she wants to know. And something I think is interesting and worth noting is listen to the disdain with which Samson describes the result of these actions. He says, I'll be like any other man. Let me tell you something. We live in a day uh, when mediocrity, mediocrity, is the thing to go for in the average church. Most people have no desire to live an outstanding Christian life. Uh, What did Samson say? He says, if you do this, I'll be like anybody else. And with that, we described a little on Sunday night when we uh, preached about the church from Laodicea, uh, we find that with that is the death nail to his own spiritual well-being. He says, I'll finally give in. And the Bible tells us, Delilah says that she perceived that she had told him all her heart. What did he do? Samson finally took down the fences and he allowed Delilah into every part of his life. Let me tell you where the road leads when a Christian begins to compromise. It leads to a place of total surrender to worldliness. It leads to a place of having no standards, no morals, Uh, Maybe there might be some remnant of a relationship with God because they are saved. Uh, Maybe there may be a scrap of Christianity because they have to maintain their religion. But as far as a real effectual relationship with God, it's basically depleted and decimated. He finally just opened himself up and said, Delilah, every portion of my life belongs to you. Uh, We find Delilah sitting upon the throne of Samson's heart. Uh, But even here, I don't think we really have the key to when the Lord departed from him. We find in verse number 17, though, that when he described this uh, to Delilah, it gave her the ammunition uh, to cause him to be disobedient to God's Word. Let me give you a very, very basic principle. And I've heard people say sometimes, uh, does God bless people? I believe that God blesses the Jews as far as blessing someone intrinsically. Uh, God blesses the Jews because the Jews are God's people. God always has blessed the Jews. God always will bless the Jews. God blesses the Jews because they're the Jews. But now for Bible-believing Christians, for uh, people in the age of grace, I believe that God blesses us with all spiritual blessings in high places in Christ Jesus. But as far as blessing our temporal and daily lives, I believe God blesses His Word. I don't believe God can bless the life of a disobedient Christian. Let me give you two reasons I believe that. First off, because if he does, that Christian will never, ever, ever repent. It's the nature of a little lost sheep to get out of the fold every single time. And if there's a hole in the fence, that's where he'll make for. And so in the life of the believer, if he gets the feeling or she gets the feeling that she can sin and get away with it. You mark my word, the flesh will cause the Christian to stray every time. That's intrinsic to the nature of the flesh. But let me give you a second reason, because others are watching our life. Others are watching us, and God's aware of that. Uh, God never whips the devil's children, but God never fails to whip His own children when it's necessary in their life. Now, I'm not saying God's not long-suffering, and I'm not saying God's not merciful. There's no question that He is. But God will not allow us to sin and get away with it. God punishes disobedience to His Word and He blesses obedience to His Word. What happened? Samson is lying there asleep on the lap of Delilah and in come the men and they shave the locks off of his head. But do you really think the strength was in the locks? I don't believe so. I believe the strength was in his relationship with God and his commitment to the Lord. It's indicative, it's symbolic, the fact that when the hair was gone, the strength was gone. But I believe that the Lord departed from him when he was disobedient to God's Word. We cannot live a life of disobedience and expect God's power upon our lives. We cannot live a life of apathy and expect God to bless what we do. It's going to take an extraordinary Christian walk because ordinary men don't have that blessing on their life. We find that the Lord departed from him for this reason, because he was disobedient to the Word of God. But what's the result of this? We read it, but look again in verse number 21. The Bible says, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. I want to say the first result of not having God's presence in your life is weakness. Weakness. Now, it's weakness in the sense of not being effectual in our witnessing. It's weakness in the sense of not being able to have the words to say when we go to share the gospel with someone. But let me say even further than that, it's weakness in our daily walks. The Bible says, as thy days, so shall thy strength be. And the Bible uh, teaches us a lesson that as our faith is, so also is our strength. Uh, we have no ability to put our faith in God when we we know we're in direct disobedience to Him. When the Lord departed from Samson, the first immediate effect is that he became weak. He was not able to withstand the Philistines. If you study God's Word, you'll find the Philistines are a picture of the world. They're always a picture of the world. They stand at odds with God's people uh, seeking to draw them into idolatry. And uh, what we find is that when Samson didn't have the presence and power of the Lord in his life, he had no power to withstand the world's crowd. Uh, I think for believers to live a truly consecrated and holy life, they've got to have the presence of the Lord in their life. I think the reason a lot of Christians give up and quit trying to live a separated life is because they try to do it, without the presence of the Lord in their life. Let me just give you a very, very simple description of it. Uh, If you're trying to be obedient to God because you know that one day, somewhere off in the eons of eternity, uh, God's going to bring you before a judgment and reward you for it, that might be a decent reason to do it. You might do it for that reason, but when you know that the Lord walks with you and He talks with you and He sees everything that you do and He's present in your life, that's a lot greater motivation to do what's right. I'm not saying that we do it because we're scared of the Lord. I'm saying we do it because we know that the Lord is with us, that He sees everything that we do without the Lord uh, in our life, and our conscious living every single day. In the thought of it, we're never going to be holy Christians. But I want you to look at the next phrase. It says, they put out His eyes. It caused weakness, but it caused blindness. Samson no longer is able to see where he's going. He has to be led about. Uh, We find that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth and He is our teacher. Uh, When you're not in the will of God, you have no capacity to see the will of God. I made that statement the other day. When you're not in the will of God, you can't really determine what the will of God should be. I've seen this so many times and I'm sure you have too. Uh, You know, one one of the wiles of the devil. Let me use that term. One of the designs and the deceits of the devil is this. He'll cause a person to quit living for Christ. And when they're not living for the Lord like they ought to, what happens to a Christian? He becomes what? Unhappy. As soon as a Christian is unhappy, you know what the devil comes and tries to do? The only answer for that Christian to be happy is for him to get right with God, correct? Correct. They can't become happy if they're not right with God. They can't become happy through uh, going here or going there, or doing this or doing that or knowing this person or knowing that person. The only answer for a Christian getting right with God is, uh, or to be happy is to be right with God. But you know what the devil will do? He'll come in and he'll say, the problem in your life is your family. The problem in your life is your spouse. You need a new spouse. The problem in your life is your family. You need a new family. The problem in your life is your church. You need a new church. And pretty soon, he gets a person out of the will of God making some of the most important decisions in their life when they cannot even see the will of God for their life. I've seen it happen time and time again, and I'm sure you have. People making major life decisions when they're at the last place in the world that they need to be at to be making those decisions. The devil's very cunning and he's very deceptive. Understand when there's sin in your life, you can't see what the right thing to do is. You must be led by the Holy Spirit. And if he's quenched and grieved in your life, you're not being led by him. We see blindness in the life of Samson. Uh, Verse 21 uh, in the third part, it says, And brought him down to Gaza. Brought him down to Gaza. We see shame in his life. It's interesting to note that Gaza had been the boasting place. Uh, Earlier in the passage, uh, the Bible says in uh, verse number 1, it says, Then went Samson to Gaza, saw there in Harlan, went in unto her. Uh, We preached not long ago about how that pictures Christ in many ways, uh, but it was in Gaza that Samson had boasted in his defeat of the Philistines. They tried to bind him there in Gaza and couldn't. It's interesting to know that what the world cannot do through sheer force, they can do through compromise in the life of the believer. Uh, but we find that Samson is now brought down to Gaza bound. What a shameful day in the life of Samson. In fact, I would contend that it's probably the most shameful day in his life. Sin always brings us to a dark place. You know that. Uh, the Bible says that the devil's able to appear as an angel of light. Uh, But mark my words, he always brings you to a dark place. And I'm sure Samson, when he laid down to take a nap on the lap of Delilah, did not imagine that in a short while he'd be being brought down to Gaza. You know that sin brings shame in the life of a believer? I just want to talk experientially for a second. I know in my life, uh, it's a shameful thing when I have sin in my life and I try to live like a Christian. You ever tried to witness to someone when you knew you weren't right with God? I don't know about you, but for me, it's it's hard to do. Do you know why? Because I'm ashamed. Because I know that I'm being a hypocrite. Have you ever tried to guide someone into the right thing to do when you had sin in your life? Have you ever tried to talk to your kids when you had sin in your life about something wrong in their life? You know what that feeling is, is shame. You're trying to lead and instruct and, and guide them Uh, When you know that you're not right. What about your grandkids? You ever tried to teach them the right thing to do when you knew you weren't doing the right thing yourself? It's a shameful feeling. You ever had friends that were going astray from the Lord and you tried to encourage them and convince them to go with God instead of going the way of the world, but you knew there was something in your life that was not right? It's a shameful thing. That's one of the reasons that sin renders us ineffective for the cause of Christ. It causes us to be so shameful that we don't even want to act like a Christian because we know we've not been acting like a Christian. We see shame in the life of Samson. I want to show you one final thing. We'll close. The Bible says, "...and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house." We see that sin in the life of Samson brought him to a place of slavery. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that whoever we yield our members to uh, were their servants. If you're doing right and serving God or living for God, then you're serving God. If you're living righteously, you're serving righteousness. Boy, the Word of God's so simple. If you're living righteously, you're serving righteousness. If you're living sinfully, you're serving sin. It's that simple. I think it's interesting that they did not just bind Samson, but they made him work for them. Sin always causes its servants to work. Sin is a harsh taskmaster. And we find in the life of Samson that it wasn't just that he was bound up. It wasn't just that he was a slave to do wrong, but he was a slave to do for wrong as well. You know, in the life of a believer, anytime we're out of the will of God, it's not just our life we're affecting, but we're affecting the lives of others. It's not just our well-being that's affected, but it's affecting the lives. We're not just doing wrong, but we're doing for wrong as well. We're not just serving sin, we're doing for sin. We're causing others to trip up. We're causing others to do wrong. It was a sad day in the life of Samson when the Lord departed from him. It's interesting to note at the end of the passage in verse number 28, the Bible says, "...and Samson called unto the Lord." I won't read that whole passage, but look down at the next verse. It says, "...and Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood." and on which it was borne up of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. The Bible tells us in this passage that Samson's hair had begun to grow back while he was in bondage. I like the fact that the Lord was already working on him even when he was doing wrong. All Samson had to do was call on the name of the Lord. I tend to believe that Samson would not have had that strength if he hadn't called on the name of the Lord. Even though his hair had grown back, I don't think Samson would have had the strength. I think it only came from calling upon the Lord. But let me tell you, no matter how far you are from God, he's just a prayer away, just a prayer away when you're ready to call on the name of the Lord, he's ready to listen. Uh, Samson repented himself. He repented of the wrong that he had done. He called on the Lord and uh, said, Lord, I've done wrong. I've sinned. I'm in a mess. God, forgive me and bring me out of this place. There were consequences to Samson's sin. There's no question. But I want you to notice that the same way that his sin affected the lives of others, his submission affected the lives of others. Not only when you get out of the will of God does it affect people, but when you get into the will of God, it affects people as well. We all have people watching us, every single one of us. We have people watching us They're watching what we do. Do you know when you're right with God, it encourages others to be right with God and to get right with God? When they see you come forward, when they see you pray, when they see you confess to the Lord, when they see you get right with God, Many times that's just the encouragement that some other soul needs to come towards the Lord. Uh, We always, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but uh, whenever we have an invitation, typically the invitation is always directed towards Christians before it's directed towards the lost. Do you know why that is? Because it's easier most of the time to get a Christian to come forward and pray than it is a lost person Many times a lost person doesn't want to go forward and accept the Lord if they're the only person down at the altar. Whenever people see other people doing right, it's easier for them to do right. Do you know there could be someone that you're the key to them doing the right thing? It could be when you do the right thing that that's exactly what they'll need in their life to take the plunge, to give in, say, Lord, if other people are getting right with you, I guess I can get right with you too. Now, you may not believe that, but I know in my life there's been times that way. Uh, There's been times when someone else doing the right thing caused me to do the right thing. Maybe tonight the Lord's not as present in your life as you'd like Him to be. Maybe there's something in your life that's kept you away from the Lord. Uh, Tonight, not only do you need to get right, but others need for you to get right. And as far as you may be away from the Lord, He's just a prayer away. I want you to get closer to the Lord tonight than you've ever been.